From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, as the Biden administration's policies continue to miss the target of securing the border, bolstering national security, and fostering a strong economy, the president naturally turns to a favorite topic of the left, taking your guns. The executive order also expands public awareness campaigns about the red flag orders, laws, so more parents, teachers, police officers, health providers, and counselors know how to flag for the a court that someone is exhibiting violent tendencies. And in betting he could keep Americans distracted with another shiny object, President Biden was in Las Vegas today promising to make drugs cheaper, uh, prescription drugs, that is. As I said, this is not your father's Republican Party. The mega Republican Congress don't think any of this is a good idea. They think big farmers should be able to make the exorbitant profits at the expense of the American people they've been making. President, though, is no longer acting in a vacuum. He has a Republican-controlled House to deal with, so how will they respond to these new unilateral policies? We'll talk with North Carolina Congressman Dr. Greg Murphy in just a moment. And we have another petition delivery to report. Members of the FRC Action Team delivered over 50,000 petitions to Walgreens today, encouraging them to stay out of the abortion business. Walgreens accepted our petitions. 51,000 of you have your voice heard by Walgreens. We're hoping to keep abortion-inducing drugs out of Walgreens pharmacies. We'll see what, what happens. That was FRC Action's Matt Carpenter. He'll join us later with an update. And go broke or go woke, go broke. I'm Scott Shea, chairman of Signature Bank, and it is a pleasure for me to welcome you to this multimedia, multicasted, multispatial meeting of the Pride Council. That was uh, Scott Shea, chairman of the now defunct Signature Bank in New York, leading a training session on determining correct pronouns. Too bad he didn't know how to determine correct asset liability management. We're going to talk about all of the ESG, the pronouns, the wokeness of big business and banking and how that is causing distractions. Executive Director of Consumer Research, Will Hild, is here a little bit later. Our word for today comes from Jeremiah 48, verses 13 and 29. Then Moab shall be ashamed of Chemosh, as the house of Israel was ashamed of Bethel, their confidence. We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud of his loftiness, his pride, and his arrogance, and the haughtiness of his heart. You see, God would judge Moab for the same reasons he judged Israel, pride and idolatry, with Chemosh being their demonic deity of choice. What does God's judgment of these Gentile nations for idolatry tell us about the authority and dominion of God? See, God is the God of all creation. Paul writes in Colossians, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned yesterday, President Biden announced his executive order on reducing gun violence and making our community safer. But critics of the order say he's really just imposing new burdens on law-abiding gun owners and circumventing Congress in an attempt to involve the federal government in every firearm transaction that takes place. Now, could the Biden administration be inching toward what's called a national gun registry? And if so, how problematic could that be for law-abiding citizens? Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Greg Murphy, who is a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and a member of the Second Amendment Caucus. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of North Carolina. Congressman Murphy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good afternoon, Tony. Hope you're doing well. Doing well. Good to see you. So like many things that uh, the Democrats push, President Biden's executive order has a title that sounds like something we could all get behind. But what issues do you have with what he's proposing? You know, just specifically, when you look at this, Tony, this is what the president wants. He wants everybody who has a gun to be on a registry, um, every law-abiding citizen to be on a registry where that if, God forbid, something were to happen, they would know who law-abiding citizens had guns. The sad thing is this is an absolute aberration and misunderstanding 
of who who commits crimes with guns. It's not law-abiding people, but that's who he's after. He wants to have all those things in a nice little place so that he can um, put people out or go to them that they have guns. And so it's just an absolute attack on the Second Amendment. And you know, uh, this uh, this administration, you've seen this, Tony, is time and time and time again becoming weaponized against the law-abiding citizens of the country. And this is just another avenue, absolutely another avenue in which he's trying to do this. Yeah, I, I want to I talk about who uses guns legally and illegally. But, but first, what legitimate purpose is there for a national gun registry? Why does the federal government need to know who has a gun? What purpose is there? Well, Tony, you might be able to tell me because I don't know of one. I don't know that there is something, any need for the country, the the uh, the members in the politic, the government, to know who owns a gun and who does not own a gun. I'd love for them to know which criminals own guns. That I could I could probably get behind that, um, but uh, uh, in, in that in, I say that in jest in some ways. But absolutely, law-abiding citizens. That's not the right of the government. We have a right to own a gun for hunting, for self-protection. Um, and uh, the government has no right to uh, intrude upon that privacy. Well, Congressman, I want to go to that issue of those who use guns, the criminals who use those guns, and I'm sure you're very familiar with all the, the statistics, but according to the government's own statistics, 90% of those who were in prison for gun-related crimes, they did not obtain their gun legally. I mean, how, how will these types of laws keep guns out of the hands of criminals? They won't. They won't, Tony. And this is the difference in the politic and, and the um, rationale between what I believe are conservatives and liberals. Liberals love to enact laws and enact policies that make you feel well, feel good about yourself, feel good about what's happening. I think conservatives tend to be sometimes dispassionate um, to, our, uh, to our default, but to the point we're actually making rational decisions, we're thinking about the secondary uh, tertiary, quaternary uh, consequences of actions, rather than just what liberals love to do. They like to make policies and laws that make them feel good. They really don't have true essence in their ex in execution. So I, I don't think it really uh, really does anything. Well, I, 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 just one correction on that, Congressman, and I know you know this well. While it may make people feel good, there are unintended consequences Absolutely. that come for these that actually trample upon constitutional freedoms freedoms and the rights of law-abiding citizens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I was saying. They, they, they don't think about the secondary consequences of how this could infringe upon the rights of Americans as guaranteed in our Constitution. So, again, this is why they don't, in my opinion, make rational and good good reasons decision, good reason decisions. So the president, they, they always use, you know, the backdrop of some, you know, mass shooting uh, yeah. to announce some kind of new gun control measure that they're pushing. Let me ask you this question. Based upon what the president put in place with his executive order, how would that have stopped any of the recent uh, shootings that we've seen in the country? It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't, Tony. And again, it plays upon people's emotions. It plays upon people's fears. And they always, they, they, as you know, as our wonderful liberal friend said, never let it put a crisis to waste. And this is where you play upon the emotions and you make knee-jerk responses and knee-jerk policies to something that really, in effect, um, doesn't really get to the root cause of the issue. And that's what they're doing in this particular circumstance. So, Dr. Murphy, you and your colleagues, you've seen this coming. Uh, you've recently sure. reintroduced, along with uh, Michael Cloud, a bill to prevent the federal government from building this federal firearms registry. I mean, there's, uh, I think, close to like a billion records they have of gun ownership. Uh, right now, this does not have to be transmitted to the federal government, but now they're requiring them to keep these, uh, apparently through this executive order, keep these, um, for, well, I think it was through the previous legislation, keep yeah. these records indefinitely. So what would your legislation do that addresses this uh, or preempts a federal uh, firearms registry? Well, Tony, you know, we, we want to stop what they're trying to do. We're saying that it's not legal to, to produce a, a, a universal registry. And going back to the fundamental problem, the government does not have that right 
to invade our privacy that we have, um, that we protect our Second Amendment rights. And so what we're trying to do legislatively is to reinforce the fact that the government does not have that right. Now, as we can see, Biden right now is trying to, President Biden is trying to trample upon that right. And so we're trying to legislatively try to block that and say, no, that cannot be done. Now, speaking of the Second Amendment, Congressman Murphy, you've uh, introduced a bill uh, in Congress that would protect the constitutional Second Amendment rights of military families. Tell us about that one. Yeah, so, you know, if a, well, I live in a very military-heavy uh, district. We have Camp Lejeune, New River Air Station, Cherry Point, and I actually have one out of seven of my constituents as veterans. This is a very military-heavy district. And so now when a uh, member of the military moves with his or her spouse, um, they are afforded to be able to purchase a gun. But that spouse is not afforded to be able to do that, unlike um, in carryover from other states. So we're basically saying if they had a right to do that before, they had access to, to have a gun before, that ability should, go, should follow them, should be able to go into their, wherever they're uh, in their new station. So we're just trying to introduce the, the fact that they were law-abiding citizens, maybe at another um, station, and when they get moved to a new base or something, they should carry with them that same right to have an arm, to carry an arm. It makes perfect sense to me. I mean, these are the men and women whose families are defending us. They ought to be able to defend uh, themselves if necessary. Absolutely. Now, a part of the executive order, back to the executive order the president uh, issued, it requires the Department of Defense to develop and implement principles to further firearm and public safety practices through, through DOD acquisition of firearms. And I, I want to make sure I'm not reading uh, too much into that, but c can you explain what that does? I'm not quite sure, uh, Tony. I, I think what they're trying to do is say, well, you see the existing law that's on the books. We really want to weaponize it. We really want to push it further. And therefore, you know, say, for example, you had a gun you wanted to sell to a cousin or something. All of a sudden, they're going to push and say you're an arms dealer. You're someone else that uh, should be should be sanctioned, should be registered and all these other things. It just continues to push the envelope where I think our, our liberal friends would love to uh, no longer allow each of us to have guns. But that said, um, it's a further weaponization of this administration to try to take our Second Amendment rights and uh, I don't think this stands up constitutional muster, as with many of his uh, um, executive orders. Yeah, we're up against a break, but that was going to be my next question. Can the can this executive order, and do you think this executive order, I should say, will be challenged in court? Absolutely, and I don't think it will go any. I, I, I think it will be absolutely blocked. Okay. All right, uh, Dr. Murphy, I think you're going to stick around with us because I want to talk with you about the president's speech today regarding prescription drug prices and also, also once again, taking a shot at Republicans saying they want to defund Social Security, uh, cut funding for Social Security. I, I mean, I've heard that almost every day from the Biden administration, despite the fact that Republicans have repeatedly said, we're not cutting Social Security, we're not cutting any of those uh, benefits like that. So anyway, we're going to talk about that next. Thanks for uh, sticking with us. Great. And folks, to we're going to be coming back with uh, more Washington Watch. We're going to be talking uh, not only more with Congressman Murphy about the president's speech today in Las Vegas, but we also have news for you on the 51,000 petitions that were signed to Walgreens. Those were delivered today. So we're going to talk about that. And go woke, go broke. All of that and more in this edition of Washington Watch. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible.
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Just a couple of hours ago, President Biden tried to spotlight his plan to lower prescription drug costs for seniors while making the case for his massive budget proposal. He also claimed that the provisions of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act are starting to take effect. But I'm wondering, will anyone buy into that idea that more spending is what the country needs right now? Here with me to uh, to continue our conversation about this, Congressman Greg Murphy. He's a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and the Doctors' Caucus. He represents the 3rd Congressional District of North Carolina, and he's still a practicing physician and a member of good standing of the North Carolina Institute of Medicine. Uh, Congressman Murphy, Murphy thanks for uh, sticking around through the break. Yes, sir. Um, I watched the president's uh, speech in, in, in Las Vegas in um, Frankly, I, I, it, it seemed to be just a part of his giveaway tour, just talking about more good things that uh, he can give away to people at taxpayer expense. But, but I want to get your thoughts on the president's uh, remarks today. You know, Tony, I, I try to be charitable as best as I can. But uh, we, as we were speaking to a few minutes ago, this is the liberal idea that we make people feel good and we'd love to throw out gifts and there are no consequences. There are absolute consequences. We saw them, if you want to explore the Silicon Valley Bank um, going uh, bankrupt or going under. We look at the rates uh, that the Federal Reserve has had to put out to try to stem inflation. All a direct result, a direct result of the reckless spending that we sat over, sat, sat, uh, had over the last two years under his direction. And so, yes, he loves to go out and say, we're going to give away, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And it makes people feel better. But it has to. But we actually have to have adults in the room that understand that these policies have led us in a very, very dark place. He just simply doesn't understand it. He's been in Washington for 50 years, and um, it's he's just absolutely he and his administration, for that matter, are absolutely out of touch with the American people and the American condition. Well, it's it's as if the government is the solution to every problem. Absolutely. And of course, that what that's what has led us to the point of $32 trillion in debt. It's just kicking the can down the road and becomes more expensive with every kick. Yeah. The uh, I, I want to uh, ad- you to address this because the president made this comment again today, and I, I, I talked about it before the break. He said, you know, I, he went back to a State of the Union address suggesting that Republicans want to cut Social Security, but he even has members of his administration out doing the same thing. Over the weekend, sure. he had the off the uh, director of the uh, Office of Management and Budget, Shalanda Young. Uh, out there saying the same thing. I want to play this clip and get you to respond to it. Clip 11, please. Let me be clear. The top existential threat to Social Security is those in this town that want to cut it. 
I wish we were in the part of the debate where we could talk about extending. This president chose to focus on protecting benefits, and that's what this budget does. Congressman Murphy, can, can you tell me who is uh, proposing a cut to Social Security? No one. And we, the Republicans have made that very clear. And let me be very, uh, you know, I, again, I try to be charitable, Tony, but this president is the most deceitful president that we've ever had in this country, is absolutely lying to the American people. Yes, we do have a responsibility to make sure Social Security is solvent, and it is there for all the Americans that have put into it, but he is absolutely lying to the American people. And he continues this trail of lies, and for the administration and other officials to get in on the lying trail, it goes back to a very famous uh, uh, a political propagandist who I will not mention because of the um, uh, nature of his comments is that if you tell a lie as many times, if you continue to tell a lie, people start to believe it. So that's what he's doing. He's absolutely continuing on that. And uh, it is just a tragedy. You can't have somebody in the member of politics get up and tell the people the truth. And that's what he's not doing. Congressman, I, I agree with you 100 percent because I have asked every member of Republican leadership that has come on this program about whether or not they're going to cut Social Security. And everyone, everyone has said that's not even on the table. We have said clearly we're not going to cut Medicare. We're not going to cut Social Security. We're looking at the discretionary spending is yep. where they are looking. And, and, and I think this is what this is what upsets people so much in the when we look at politics is that when there is outright deception and you cannot believe what your leaders are telling you because they're as you said they're lying that just undermines the trust in our government and I think well, when you see what's you know, happening Tony, in the last Tony, even to another point I consider this truly elder abuse let's just be very clear about it it is lying it's no different than commercials yeah. on TV or spam callers that take advantage of people's credit card numbers and, and uh, get millions of dollars out of their account or whatever they have in their accounts. This is, uh, this is a lie. And, and so it's abusing um, our senior population by lying to them. And, it, you know, to be in truthful honest, he should be ashamed. He should yeah. absolutely be ashamed of what he's doing and as well as his administration. It is shameful um, to uh, lie to the, uh, our senior citizens like this. But this is this is the fear mongering that we've yeah. seen in the last few years with government scaring people, because when people are scared, you can lead them pretty much anywhere you yeah. want them to go. We saw this through covid. You're a doctor. We've talked about Absolutely. this. You've se you've seen this. I mean, is this the, yeah. is this what we have to expect now from government? Well, I think that's what we've had. We've learned to expect from this particular president. I don't know that we have to expect it from government, nor we should we expect it from government. But this president, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, is in, in his inaugural address came out and said he was going to be the unity president. Then he went to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and began the most divisive president in my, presidency, in my opinion, in this nation's history. Racial relations are worse now than he's ever been. And so he's all, I'm trying to be a good Christian about this, Tony, but he's lying um, through his teeth. And um, it's, it is a very, very sad fact. And he's playing upon the emotions and fears of our senior population and our population as a whole. Well, Congressman, I think we're right to speak truth uh, as charitably as we can, but we have to speak truth because there's really mm -hmm. two, two visions, if you will, of, uh, of where American can go. We can, we can live in a world of fear-mongering and of, of being frightened at every turn, or we can cast a vision of what we can become if we take responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. Congressman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, being generous with your time today and uh, appreciate you being on Washington Watch. Thank you so much, Tony. God bless. All right. Congressman Greg Murphy of uh, North Carolina. Again, a lot of good men and women serving on Capitol Hill trying to do the right thing the right way. But he is absolutely correct. This president, and I have a hard time, frankly, watching the president and his administration because they are intentionally deceitful, especially on this issue of, of continuing to say Republicans want to cut Social Security. None of them, none of them want to do that, or Medicare, or Medicaid. It's all the discretionary spending that they're looking at. All right, coming up next, mission accomplished. Over 50,000 petitions delivered to Walgreens today, dealing uh, with the issue of the abortion pill. We talk about it next here. Are you a university student? 
Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Folks, uh, at TonyPerkins.com, we have uh, usually have contact information for the guests that we have on the program. And one of the things that we try to do here at the Family Research Council is uh, connect you with uh, the members of Congress that maybe don't get uh, a lot of the other media coverage. There's because there's not many conservative outlets, quite frankly, that are covering the media, at least from the legacy media covering Congress. And so we bring you the men and women of conviction, of faith, onto this program so that you can see how your engagement, your involvement makes a difference. And it's always good for you to follow up with them, especially if they're in your state or your congressman, your senator, that you send them a note and just say thank you. Uh, heard you on Washington Watch. Thanks for uh, what you're doing to defend faith, family, and freedom. I know from talking to these members of Congress that that encourages them greatly because they, you know, they get a lot of the negative stuff, especially if they're conservative. They get hammered by the left. So for you to reach out, we try to make that as easy as possible through some of the tools we have. In fact, I, I may talk about that in just a moment with uh, my next guest, Matt Carpenter, uh, because earlier today uh, he led uh, part of our team, of the, both Family Research Council along with our legislative affiliate FRC Action in delivering 51,600 petitions uh, signed by FRC constituents. Many of you listening to this program signed that petition to the leadership of Walgreens, uh, acting, uh, encouraging them not to turn their pharmacies into uh, de facto abortion facilities by going along with what the FDA has done with the sale of abortion pills. Join me now to, uh, to discuss both the delivery and the status of where uh, states are fighting back in terms of the abortion pill in these pharmacies is Matt Carpenter. He's the director of FRC Action. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. Great to be with you. Hey, before we get into today's delivery and kind of an update on where things stand, uh, tell uh, our viewers and listeners a little bit about the resources we have available for them at FRC Action and how they can communicate with their members of Congress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would definitely encourage your audience, Tony, to check out FRCAction.org. We've got um, all of our, our current campaigns are up there. We've got some excellent resources uh, to encourage and, and, um, and engage and educate um, voters. Um, we've got a party platform comparison document. We've got our scorecard up there. You can see how your member of Congress voted and you can get more information on how to contact them and share a word of encouragement um, or ask them to, uh, to weigh in on something that's near and dear to your heart or something that we're tracking here at FRC Action. Once right, again, it's good. FRCAction.org. 
FRCaction.org, folks. All right, so uh, today you had your arms full, 51, over 51,000 petitions delivered to Walgreens. Tell us about it. That's right. Yeah, 51,600, and I forget the rest, but it was a huge stack of petitions, Tony. We went into the Walgreens office here um, close to the White House and delivered them uh, to the front desk, and um, they, they got the message, Tony. They know that... Um, that there's a sizable chunk of Americans uh, from all 50 states, plus D.C. and Puerto Rico, and I think even a few Canadians signed the petition as well, um, to encourage Walgreens um, to think twice about distributing abortion-inducing drugs in their retail pharmacies. Uh, Tony, I, I don't think I don't think many Americans want their local pharmacy to turn into an abortion facility, and I think that message was heard loud and clear today in Walgreens. Well, and we've been interacting with uh, state leaders as well, and we've seen a number of state attorneys general who have uh, put Walgreens, CVS, and other pharmacies on notice that their states are not going to sit idly by while these pharmacies uh, transition into abortion facilities. That's right. Actually, 20 uh, Republican attorneys general signed uh, or actually notified Walgreens that they would enforce current federal law prohibiting um, the mailing of abortion-inducing drugs. And to Walgreens' credit, um, they responded and said that they would uh, comply with the wishes of those 20 um, Republican attorneys general and not dispense the abortion-inducing drugs in those states. But interestingly enough, uh, in, a, in a retaliatory move, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom has since uh, canceled a $54 million contract with Walgreens uh, to service the state's prison population uh, with pharmaceutical needs. And so uh, we're seeing sort of a, a visceral reaction, frankly, from the pro-abortion left. And I think this began, frankly, as a reaction from the left after Roe v. Wade was overturned. They're just thrashing about, throwing everything they can to try and expand abortion access. And so we are seeing a tug of war back and forth between these Republican states, uh, these, these attorneys generals and these pro-life states that don't want these abortion-inducing drugs in the mail or being dispensed at pharmacies in their states and some of these pro-abortion states that are making counter moves. Uh, very quickly, Matt, the, the pharmacy also responded to a letter that the Family Research Council spearheaded along with other organizations calling on them uh, not to, uh, to go down this path being that they're being enticed to by the Biden administration. And they responded. What was their uh, response? Yeah, they're aware that a lot of states are, are regulating these drugs. They, they don't want these drugs in their states. And so, again, to Walgreens' credit, they, are, um, they were receptive, mostly, um, to that letter. Uh, and so they, they've signaled that they're, that they're not likely to dispense these drugs, and they understand that further administrations down the road can change a rule. And so this is just a federal rule. This isn't a, a change in law. Um, that can change with administrations, and so I think they're respecting that fact, uh, at least with regard to some of these states. All right, uh, Matt Carpenter, thanks for the update today. Good job delivering those uh, petitions. You got your workout for today. Thanks, Tony. All right, and folks, thank you for signing those petitions. Uh, as I said before, when we put out these petitions, whatever the topic may be, we're going to deliver them. We're going to let your voice be heard. But it's very helpful when you sign on and we have uh, you know, tens of thousands of them to, to drop off. It makes a difference. So thank you for uh, standing with us on that. All right, uh, when we come back, don't go away. We're coming back. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content, and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. All right, I was uh, hesitating on the on the way out of that last segment because I wanted to play a clip, but I was looking at the clock. I didn't have time. So that's why I kind of uh, stumbled going out. But this is the clip I wanted to play. I, I wanted to play this clip of the chairman of uh, Signature Bank. I'm Scott Shea, chairman of Signature Bank, and it is a pleasure for me to welcome you to this multimedia, multicasted, multi-spatial meeting of the Pride Council. Now, if, you, if you're watching, you saw in the background a big screen that said, uh, pronounce the pronouns. So making sure you get the right pronouns. Um, th- this is the wokeness that has taken over corporate America. And of course, the, the collapse of uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank over this past weekend has really kind of highlighted this. It's brought in, it's brought new security, uh, uh, scrutiny rather, to other regional banks with similar financial concerns. So there's there's financial aspects to this, but there's also the issue of distraction. You know, are they being distracted by pursuing all of these you know woke agenda items of the left, the environmental, social, and governmental uh, policies that they want them to pursue, the proper pronouns. I mean, what does it have to do with the balance sheet? Right? What does it have to do with ensuring that your investors and shareholders are protected? Well, the answer is nothing. But I think this is exposing it, and this is what we need to do. Now, Democrats in Congress, most notably Senator Elizabeth Warren, are saying that the failures are a direct result of the Trump-era bill that was passed in 2018, a claim that Republicans disagree with. If the management of Silicon Valley Bank had known the difference between a banking textbook and an L.L. Bean catalog, Silicon Valley Bank would have never bought securities that are so sensitive to interest rate without hedging that risk. That was my hometown Senator John Kennedy speaking from the Senate floor earlier today. So is there more behind this? And are these failures being driven by a distraction of the left's priorities? Joining me now to discuss this is Will Hild, he's the executive director of Consumer Research, which is all about putting consumers first and fighting against the environmental, social, and governance standards of 
the left. Will, welcome back to the program. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so if my, my, my proper pronoun would be he, uh, but I just want to make sure you knew that. So um, what's your take on what's been happening with, uh, with these banks? Well, I, you know, I think, as you said, there's no question that there's a connection between wokeness, the ESG investing movement, and what we've seen going on at Silicon Valley Bank and its signatures. Both of these banks were heavily, heavily involved in, in corporate wokeness in that culture. Um, in fact, Silicon Valley Bank, it was reported by the Daily Mail over the weekend, their chief risk officer had not performed a stress test on their portfolio for over nine months because she was busy planning uh, pride, LGBTQ, and lesbian uh, recognition events, basically. Um, and in addition, they, they had engaged in all kinds of other you know, woke investing and woke lending that contributed to their, to their downfall. And so time and time again, we see companies when they focus on ESG, when they focus on wokeness, they take their eye off of the ball of focusing on consumers. In this case, it was focusing on making sure that they didn't lose their customers' money. Uh, but we've seen this in other, other contexts context as well, where the quality of products and services goes down because corporations are too focused on other things. Is this not a liability for them from a standpoint of a legal liability? I mean, can't shareholders, when you, when you start looking at all this stuff that is unrelated to their fiduciary duty, does that not present a legal liability? Yes, well, I, I think it does. I think you're going to increasingly see shareholder lawsuits that are aimed at that. There's also a question of a legal doctrine called the business judgment, which is generally a good idea. It basically says that in shareholder lawsuits around misuse of corporate assets, you know, judges shouldn't impart their own business judgment and say, well, this was a good business decision or this was a bad business decision, and therefore it was a misuse of corporate assets because, they, you know, they, obviously judges aren't, aren't business people. But in something as egregious as this, I think you're going to start to see the judiciary say there are limits to the business judgment rule. You can't just do anything you want with corporate assets, with the brand, with the goodwill of a company and say that it's, it's in line with, with the fiduciary duty that you have to shareholders. So I do think you're going to start to see some legal action on this front. So, so Will, it's kind of like when everything's running smooth, nobody really pays a whole lot of attention to this, but when, when people's investments, their retirements, all of the things that really matter are in jeopardy, do you think this is one of those pivotal moments where people are going to start to pay attention to this this? idiocy that's taking place in corporate America? Certainly. Well, there's, a, of course, the famous Warren Buffett quote, well, is that it's not until the, the tide goes out that you see who's been swimming naked. Now, we've been ringing the alarm now for numerous years, and I know you have as well, so it's not fair to say that no one had any inclination that this was going to be happening. But I think now that we're in a tighter monetary regime with higher interest rates and higher inflation, a lot of the poor decisions of these companies that have gone woke are coming home to roost. I think Silicon Valley Bank and, and Signature are really just, they're cautionary tales. They're probably just the beginning of what we're going to find out, uh, the misuse of assets and, and the time and attention that's been going on in corporate America. And there are going to be, unfortunately, real-world consequences. There already have been, but you're going to see corporations that should have been doing fine if they had their eye on the ball go bankrupt, just like Silicon Valley. Well, this uh, Silicon Bank report suggesting that are reporting that they – I uh, gave $73 million to Black Lives Matter-related groups. I mean, $73 million? Yeah, and that's an organization that we know, at least at one point, had on their official platform the abolishment of the nuclear family. So there's all kinds of questions. What, what business does any company, any company, have in giving to an organization that has that as a, as a platform position? And I'm certain, I'm sure that the customers of Silicon Valley Bank wish that they could get some of that $74 million back now uh, when it turns out that that's coming out of their deposit. So do you, you foresee corporations kind of uh, straightening up a little bit and maybe trying to cover up some paper trails as, as this is, as you said, this has exposed not just Signature Bank and Silicon Valley, but I mean, others. I mean, I'm sure there are others out there that if, the, if, if, if another shoe is to drop, they're going to be exposed as well. Yeah, I do think you're going to start to see a, a toning down of, of the woke corporate culture. My concern, though, is much of the infrastructure that led to this may still be in place after it's, it's over. 
and the same people that have been pushing DEI and CRT and uh, ESG, I know all those horrible acronyms that, that will rightly oppose, those departments are still going to be in place, those people are going to still be in place. And I think it's incumbent upon us, both as a you know, nonprofit organization, but I, I've been your efforts, I know you've railed on this for, for a number of years, to make sure that we systematically dismantle what led to this in the first place. And you talk about you know, there being liability for the people who misuse corporate assets. I think that's a great question. And also legislative changes to make it clear that the fiduciary duty has to be followed. And, and that's really what's been you know, a miss here is people have been taking assets that don't belong to the misuse. So you have to make sure that, that the people understand that there's a price to be paid uh, when, they, when they break the law. But, but, Will, we know that it's, I mean, we're talking now about the banking industry, but this isn't uh, isolated to the banking industry. We've seen uh, failures elsewhere where the focus has been on, on wokeness, to use a broad term. I mean, test scores are down in our schools. You know, kids don't know the ABCs, but they know the LGBT agenda. Our military, you know, we're having difficulty. Every branch of the service in uh, its recruitment goals because they're spending more time on diversity training than they are in actually their core mission. I mean, what we're seeing, unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes it's too late. I mean, if, when we need our military, we're going to need them. And it's a little too late to find out at that point that they have uh, misplaced their focus of training. So, again, I, I, could this be a moment of course correction, not just in the banking industry, but you know, for what we've tolerated in America when it comes to this uh, leftist agenda? Yeah, I, I'm hopeful that we do see our institutions course correct. I, I don't want to leave anyone with a sense of doom or that there's no hope uh, that, that we come out of this. Obviously, uh, I'm a fellow believer, Tony, and I believe that you know, with Christ all things are possible, so I certainly don't think that, <laughs> that our problems are so bad uh, that we can't uh, turn them around. But I do think we have to, to uh, let's say, give up on the idea that the, there's some you know, magical thing called the pendulum. Like I often hear people say, well, the pendulum will swing back the other way. Well, no, if, if people of, of good faith and character don't push the pendulum that, back that direction, the people who are pushing this kind of stuff are not going to stop on their own. So I do right. agree, absolutely, with the failure of Silicon Valley, with the failure of Signature, with the failure of, you know, we were on here talking about um, State Farm and the huge amount of pushback that you and your viewers were able to apply to that company uh, with our research was, was, was instrumental in getting them to course correct. So I don't want to give anybody a sense of, of doom, but I do, th do want to say it is incumbent upon us, right, to push that. We are not, we can't sit back and say, well, it'll course correct itself. We have to take these opportunities to point to these cautionary tales and say, this is why you don't do this. My point, exactly. Um, you know, there. this is a moment to act. This is not, to, it, it, I, I think it's a, um, I, I, quite frankly, I think they're going to be on their heels, uh, pushed back on their heels by the exposure that they've gotten. Whether or not it's a wake-up call for them personally, because I, I'm not sure that they really can get it. I mean, I think they think they're doing the right thing. But I think the average American who understands the military is to defend us, the schools are to teach our children how to succeed in the workplace, our airlines and the, the uh, FFA, the uh, FAA is there to, uh, to make sure planes go up in the air and they come back down safely. It, but when they can't do that because they're distracted, I think that gets people's attention. So what are some of the things we can be doing right now? Absolutely, well there's a whole range of things, uh, first of all, People need to understand what they're up against. They can learn more about the ESG investing, or so-called investing, but I put that in scare quotes because it's, it's a scam. They can learn more at consumersresearch.org. That's our website. Uh, and they can also, uh, we, we recommend everyone call their elected representatives, especially at the state level. There are about 20 to 25 states this uh, legislative session. They're going to be considering legislation that would curtail ESG investing and wokeism in our corporate culture. Things like strengthening the fiduciary duty and making it so that your state won't use woke companies to manage your state's pension fund. And so calling anyone, I mean, honestly, calling your state uh, elected, you know, state senator, state representative, your AG's office, your governor's office, your treasurer's office, all of these people play a role in pushing back against woke corporate culture and against the ESG. And they yeah. need to hear from you because this is not, I'll admit, this is not the sexiest issue. It's got this weird acronym. It's all about this Wall Street stuff. And they don't know if, whether the electorate cares about it or not. So you need to pick up the phone and call them and let them know that you do care about it. You don't want your state's assets 
used against your values. And so they know that they, they have they, you have their back uh, in, in, in fighting back against them. And further evidence, I think that that people are responding. They're 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 speaking just as you just described, because we have seen a number of states uh, take on BlackRock. Uh, and earlier today, the CEO of BlackRock released his annual chairman's letter, and you uh, notably uh, st uh, stated that there is not a single mention of ESG in that letter. Do you think that uh, other companies may? be taking note of this pushback that's coming and that they're kind of changing yeah, their hopeful. tune, not I mean, necessarily changing their behavior. Yeah, I, I think Larry Fink and BlackRock played a pivotal role in pushing a lot of these companies to go even farther than they would have otherwise wanted to. And notable turnarounds that we've been able to affect on BlackRock. I mean, Larry had been sending out this letter to CEOs for years. And from <laughs> I think he began that letter with an explanation that moving forward, his letter was going to basically be to everybody. Uh, to all his stakeholders, which included his sh his shareholders, his clients, his employees, so you know, obviously a, 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 a euphemism for I'm I'm not going to act like I'm in charge of all of corporate America anymore. And I think that's a positive development, clearly retreating from its position. So I'm hopeful that we're going to see a, a a a bit of a sea change in corporate America. We've hopefully gotten some of the pressure off with some of the big asset managers. Now, don't get me wrong, Larry has not had a change of heart. Uh, he still wants to basically, you know, call the shots in corporate America. And what he used to do publicly, he's now going to do quietly, which is why right. we have to keep the pressure on. Right. So it, we can't take our eye off. They may be taking their eye off of their duty. We cannot take our eye off our duty to protect our rights, our freedoms, and our future. Exactly. Exactly. Will, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, taking time to join us today and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Appreciate your support, and I'd love to come on. Always happy. All right. Thanks so much. Will Hild, um, a great organization. I encourage you to check them out. Go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and you can follow the links over. But I just want to, to uh, put an exclamation point on his uh, emphasis on being engaged, being involved. Don't, don't think someone else is going to speak out. I do think this is a moment. I mean, when there is a a revealing incident like this that shows the nonsense of the left and how it cost us, we need to seize this moment. And we need to make sure that we can push back and retake territory in our schools, in corporate America, in our military, every opportunity we have. Because this stuff is deadly, as we're seeing it. It is absolutely destructive to the future of our country. All right, folks, I want to thank you for being with us today. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, resources there for you. All right. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, which are found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done it, that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.